Chapter Eleven of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eleven, a note from Vicky. Nor was it. I had secured a latch key to the house from the police, who were willing enough for me to search for possible clues, as I had told them I would do. At their wits' end to locate Vicky Van, they welcomed my help and felt that as a friend of hers, I might learn more than a disinterested policeman could so well after midnight watching my chance when the patrolman had just passed on his regular round i went across the street easily i opened the mail-box and extracted a quantity of letters quietly then i opened the house door and went in i had provided myself with a pocket flashlight as i didn't want to illuminate the house and i went at once to the music-room to perform my errand how strange it seemed the lovely room with dainty white and gold furnishings reminded me so forcibly of the bewitching girl who owned it all a thousand questions rose in my mind what would become of that bijou residence the bric-a-brac and pictures the rugs and furniture while not magnificent were of the best and many of them costly the great chinese vase into which i was to drop the letters was a gem of its kind though not anything a connoisseur would covet i raised the dragon-topped lid and let the letters fall in replacing the lid i still lingered my errand was done but i felt an impulse to stay everything spoke to me of vicky van where was she now making sure that the opaque blinds were drawn i dared to turn on one tiny electric lamp the faint light made the shadowed room lovelier than ever could a girl of such cultivated taste and such refinement of character be a a wrong-doer i couldn't say murderer even to myself then my common sense flared up and told me that crime is no respecter of persons that women who had slain human beings were not necessarily of this or that walk of life granted a woman had a motive to kill a man that motive lay in the impulses of her feminine nature and revenge jealousy fear love or hate whatever the motive it was of deep and overpowering and might find its root in equal likeness in the breast of queen or beggar-maid i could not say vicky was incapable of crime indeed her gay volatile manner might hide a deeply perturbed spirit she was an enigma and i i must solve the riddle i felt i should never rest until i knew the truth and if vicky were a martyr to circumstances or a victim to fate i must know all about it alone there in the midnight hours i resolved to devote my time all i could spare my energies all i could command and my life so far as i might to the discovery of the truth and i might or might not reveal my findings as seemed to me best leaving the music-room i went back through the long hall and passed the door of vicky's bedroom reverently i looked inside the very walls seemed crying for her to come back would she ever do so i wandered on through the bedroom and even looked in the dressing-room i felt no compunction it was not from idle curiosity rather i walked as one at a shrine the exquisitely feminine boudoir was a mute witness to a love of beauty and art i used only my flashlight but on an impulse i turned on one light by the side of the long mirror i looked in as vicky must often have done when dressing for her parties as indeed she must have done when dressing that last fatal night and seeing my own grim reflection i gravely nodded my head at myself and whispered we'll find the truth old man you see if we don't in the ornate florentine frame with its branching arabesques was a strand of the gold beads that had adorned vicky's gown that night 
i visualized her whirling her skirts about before the mirror with that quick lithe grace of hers and catching the fluttering fringe in the gilt protuberance perhaps she exclaimed in petulance but more likely i thought she laughed at the trivial accident that was vicky van as i knew her to laugh at a mischance and smile good-naturedly at an accident i lifted the strand of little beads from the entangling frame and put it away in my pocket-book as a dear and intimate souvenir of the girl i had known then with a final glance that was a sort of farewell i glimpsed the pretty cosy nest and went downstairs here i paused again cassie weldon had said she could see the staircase from the door of the living-room i tried it she was right a person standing just inside the living-room door could catch a sight of a person on the stairs and as cassie said she was not looking that way but was partly conscious of someone running up the stairs it might well be she would naturally give the incident no thought at the moment it was strange she had even remembered it and it may have been vicky then she might have descended by the rear staircase there probably was one i didn't know and anyway what mattered it how she had left the house she had left it and had not returned i remembered the allusion to the skylight in a jiffy i had run upstairs clear to the highest story there was a skylight or scuttle rather and it was bolted on the inside that settled that vicky van had not climbed out that way and i for one never supposed she had strangely reluctant to leave the house i went downstairs again looked into the living-room and passed on to the dining-room i contemplated the sideboard in front of which randolph schuyler had met his death many pieces of silver and glass stood upon it and all was in order as if it had been carefully looked after for the party occasion without consciously noting details i chanced to observe that a small silver-handled carving-fork was lacking its knife i had no knowledge of vicky van's table appurtenances but the way the fork lay looked to me as if the knife had lain across it and had been removed i had no concern over it for i knew the knife that had stabbed schuyler was now in possession of the police and this one had doubtless been used in preparation of the supper if indeed there was a knife belonging to the fork it was a matter of no moment but somehow it stuck in my mind if vicky or rather if julie had straightened up things on the sideboard in the process of tidying up for the party would she not have laid the fork a different way unless there had been a matching knife to lay across it i suppose the whole question came into my mind because at home we had a beefsteak carving set that always lay crossed on the sideboard a man gets accustomed to the sight of such household details and they photographed on his memory well anyway i looked for that knife i even went to the butler's pantry and looked but i didn't see it the pantry had been hastily evacuated by the caterer's men and though tidied it was not in spick and span condition you see having lived so long with two such homey bodies as aunt lucy and wynne i was not utterly unversed in domestic matters the pantry was well equipped with modern utensils and implements and all its appointments spoke of the taste and efficiency of its mistress poor vicky i sighed to myself poor dear little vicky van and then i went softly out the front door and down the steps i went slowly and looked back several times in a vague hope that vicky might emerge from some nearby shadow and go into the house for her letters but i saw no sign of such a happening and went on home my heart full of a gloomy foreboding that i would never see her again going to work on sunday winnie i asked as next morning my sister appeared garbed for the street 
not regularly to work but mrs schuyler wants me to look after some matters of confidence oh ho how important we are i chaffed her when does the crowell lady come into her own not for another week she isn't quite ready to come and mrs schuyler is willing to keep me on a while longer i don't blame her and i looked at my pretty bright-faced sister with approval i say old girl suppose i stroll over with you come along though i'm not sure mrs schuyler will see you she usually sends me to receive callers well little miss manage it i could even live through that and perhaps i'll get a look in with the fair sisters-in-law that surely if you wish they're ready and eager to see visitors i believe they love to go over the details of the whole affair with any one who will listen oh come now win not as bad as that they don't think it's bad they're bound to track down the van allen girl and they hold the opinion that everybody they get hold of may be an important witness they go over the reports from the inquest all the time and can hardly wait till to-morrow to see what will come out next me for them i responded i'd like a good chat on the subject we went over to the fifth avenue house and were admitted by the solemn and wise-eyed butler i was shown to the library while winnie was directed to go to mrs schuyler's room but it was not long before we were all together in the library widow sisters and all for lowney had made a discovery and he proposed to tell the family of it win and i were allowed to be present and the detective showed his new find it seems he had been searching the papers and letters of the late mr schuyler this had been not only permitted by the wife but had been urged by the sisters who hoped it might result in some further light on the mysterious miss van allen and it did in the desk in a secret compartment which was not so secret but that the detective could open it were a number of letters from feminine pens and a number of receipted bills for jewelled trinkets presumably sent to these or other ladies for they were not of a sort affected by ruth schuyler or the two sisters a blue enamelled watch bracelet and a rhinestone tiara were representative purchases entered on these bills but the pile of letters sank into insignificance when we learned the fact that there was a letter from vicky van among them regardless of mrs schuyler's feelings lowney read the letter aloud this was it my dear mr schuyler i enjoyed your supper party and it was good of you to give me inside information about the stocks but i must beg of you to cease your further attentions to me as i cannot number on my list of calling acquaintances the husband of another woman i am perhaps rather prudish in my view of life but this is one of my inviolable rules very truly yours victoria van allen i knew that before vicky van living alone and unchaperoned save for the ubiquitous julie flouted convention in many ways but it was as she said her inviolable rule to receive no married man without his wife at her parties nor was there often occasion for her to use this stipulation the young people whom i had met at her house had always been maids and bachelors and now and then a young married couple who playfully enacted a chaperone part mrs reeves a widow was probably the oldest of the crowd but she was well under forty it was quite true no married man and indeed no man of the type or age of randolph schuyler had ever to my knowledge enjoyed the friendship of vicky van but not for a minute did i think that she would go so far as to kill him for daring to enter her house that was unthinkable and yet it seemed so to lowney and apparently to the sisters of the dead man she declared that the letter proved that randolph had intruded on her acquaintance and she had objected from coyness or coquetry 
and that when he persisted she was so enraged that she flew into a passion and wilfully ended his life i can't think that said ruth schuyler wearily it seems more to me as if that letter exculpates the girl she was quite evidently not in love with my husband and she honestly tried to make him understand her scruples so i can't think she killed him i did think so at first of course but on thinking things over and in the light of this letter i begin to believe her innocent what date does the letter bear there's no date said lowney looking at the paper it was not in an envelope then how did it reach my husband oh of course it came in an envelope i suppose but i found none with it so we can't tell where it was sent here or to one of his clubs or to his office address not here i'm sure said mrs schuyler probably to his club you are quite welcome to the letter mr lowney make what use you think best of it if it serves to establish miss van allen's innocence i shall be rather glad but if it seems to throw further suspicion on her then justice must be done of course it throws suspicion on that woman declared miss rhoda schuyler with a vindictive glance at the letter in lowney's hand the hussy to write to randolph at all but i interposed unable to stand this unjust speech mr schuyler must have made advances to her first she lured him on i've heard you say yourself mr calhoun that this van allen person is a siren ah uh... now now miss rhoda i began but the other sister chimed in of course she is of course the wrong was mostly hers and she killed randolph i know it why the waiter man saw her go ahead mr lowney hunt her down and bring her to account i never shall sleep peacefully until my brother's death is avenged i cannot understand ruth how you can be so indifferent a flush rose to ruth schuyler's cheek and enlightened anew to her husband's character by that letter i began to feel a different sort of sympathy for the widow randolph schuyler had been unfaithful he had been domineering and tyrannical and i knew he had not allowed his wife to have the comforts and luxuries she desired although he was enormously wealthy a social secretary for instance most women of ruth schuyler's rank in society had that necessary assistant yet during schuyler's life his wife was forbidden the favour winnie had told me this and had told me much more that proved how unjust and unkind randolph schuyler had been the sisters too shared his views and as a consequence the household was run on old-fashioned lines that ill accord with the ways of to-day mrs schuyler had in no way complained wynne told me but it was easily seen how matters stood it fell to winnie's lot to order many things from the shops stationery morning apparel and house needs these my sister said were ordered with the most perfect taste but with a lavishness which was indubitably unusual to ruth schuyler the sisters exclaimed at the extravagance but ruth though listening politely serenely went her own way and carried out her own plans in the matter of fresh flowers she was like a child wynne said and she enjoyed the blossoms she ordered as if she had hungered for them for years winnie was growing deeply attached to her employer if that word is applicable and ruth schuyler was fond of wynne but i am digressing mrs schuyler replied to her sister-in-law's speech by saying gently i am not indifferent sarah but it seems to me we have no real evidence against the girl and no real evidence when she was caught red-handed or nearly caught if that stupid waiter had had sense enough to jump and grab her we would have had no search to make at all 
it may be so sarah you may be right but until you do find her don't condemn her utterly from what mr calhoun has told me of her and from the tone of that letter she wrote to randolph i can't make it seem possible that she killed a man she knew so slightly and yet it may be she did well remarked lowney the note proves that she had seen mr schuyler before anyway then when he came to her house as mr summers she was naturally annoyed as she had asked him not to do so and all that is against the girl i say but it remains to be seen what the coroner's jury will think of it they'll see it in its true light declared rhoda schuyler of course she was angry when he came to her house after being forbidden unless the sly thing wrote the note just to lure him on but in any case she was alone with him she used the knife on him and she ran away what more evidence do you need now to find her that's a task i shall never give up or neglect until i've accomplished it and you are right rhoda said ruth if the girl is guilty i hope she will be found for i'm sure the truth could then be learned whether she is guilty or not will you come now mrs schuyler said tibbets from the doorway the flowers have arrived ruth beckoning to winnie rose and the two left the room perfectly idiotic said sarah the way she orders flowers fresh ones every day but hasn't she a right to spend her own money as she likes i defended a legal right perhaps was the retort but not a moral right to disregard her husband's wishes so utterly End of chapter eleven